0: I've entitled my message this morning, Marriage, Magicians, and a Madman. Did you know that those are all characters in the Christmas story? Marriage, Magicians, and a Madman. Now, I'm going to refer to Matthew's Gospel. And in Matthew's Gospel, Matthew was focused on reaching out to the Jews of that time. And they were waiting for their Messiah. And his message was very clear. The Messiah has come. And what are you going to do about it? You've been waiting all your life for the Messiah. The Messiah has come. What are you going to do about it? That's the gist of Matthew's gospel. right? In today's context, if he was here, he would be referring to the church. After years of knowing God and living in, in his presence and calling ourselves uh, people of God, the Savior has come. What are you doing about it? What have you done about it? So you see him focusing just straight from, um, from verse one of Matthew's gospel chapter one. he says, "The book of the ge- genealogy of Jesus Christ. right That's the Greek Christ is the Greek word for Messiah, which is Hebrew, right Christos. So the genealogy of Jesus Christ. He ends the genealogy with this summary in verse 17 of Matthew chapter 1. So all the generations of Abraham to David are 14 generations. From David until the captivity in Babylon are 14 generations. And from the captivity in Babylon until the Christ are 14 generations. So he looks at the genealogy. Now, he didn't start from Adam. You want to see the genealogy from Adam? Go and read Luke. Because Luke was very concerned all right, about humanity. And so that's why you see Luke, when he talks about the Christmas story, you see beautiful songs in there, songs that we sing here that come from Luke's gospel. The, what the, the words of the angels, words of Mary, song of Mary, song of Elizabeth, you know? So you see a lot of those human feelings and expressions are in the gospel of Luke. But you don't find that in the gospel of Matthew. He's very focused in what he's trying to say to us, God's people, right? And his focus was Christ. And so he looks at that focus and he brings three stories as he describes the birth of Jesus Christ. Three events. First, a potential scandal, which ends up with a happy marriage. The second story was a group of Magos from the east who came looking for a king. And the third story was a madman who slaughtered innocent babies. And so let's look at these three stories and let's try and get a Christmas message that we can take with us and answer and respond to Matthew's gospel. The Savior has come. What do we do about it? Matthew chapter 1 verse 18 begins this. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, look at the words he uses. He doesn't call um, Jesus the son of Joseph. He says, after his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. How do you respond to something like that? Put yourself in Joseph's shoes. I kind of think my, my daughter, she's 22. If she comes to us, Mom and Dad, I've got exciting news for you. The angel of the Lord came to me and said, I'm pregnant with the Holy, through the Holy Spirit. We look at her and say, Right, okay, what's his name? <laughs> Think about it. <laughs> Think about this. Joseph was faced with this dilemma. Mary says, I had a visit from the angel of the Lord. And this is his message. So how did Joseph respond to this message of the Christ? Right? The Bible says, first of all, describes Joseph as a righteous man. In verse 19, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. The word, that Matthew uses is the word dikaios, which means righteous. He was a righteous man, right? Literally, it means a person whose way of thinking, feeling, and acting is wholly conformed to the will of God. This man trained himself to conform his lifestyle to the will of God. So he would think, every time he thinks, he would question that thinking, whether it conforms to the law of God. His actions, he would, he would look to it to see if it conformed to the word of God. And so now he's faced with the biggest challenge of his life. Here is God. Well, he hasn't heard from God yet, but here is this woman that he's betrothed with who's telling him, God has spoken to me. I have conceived the son of God. So he lived his life guided by the laws of God. The next thing we see in this story is even though he is following the laws of God, or makes, him, makes himself conform to the laws of God, right? He he responds graciously to Mary. He chooses to respond graciously, right? Says one, one was minded to put her away secretly, right? Not wanting to make her public example. See the law. The law would say, because she he has already assumed that she has been unfaithful to him. He's already assumed that she is pregnant with an, through another man, right? And so the law would give him the right to publicly expose her deed and the next response would be that she would be stoned to death. Knowing that this was the possibility, he chooses to hide her secret. This is, this is something that troubles me a lot about the church. I don't know where from this time where God's people who were righteous, were called righteous, were those who were gracious. How did we get from a place where God's people were the most gracious people on earth to a place where God's people are known to be quite mean? We are mean. We look at people around us and we pass judgment on them. This Christmas, maybe we need to ask ourselves that question. Rena last week was talking about that, you know, and how um, Philip Yancey did this survey about what people think about, the, about Christians. And all they could see was this political stands we make, or these judgments that we make about how society lives their lives. But this man was known as a righteous man. And his response to what he considered was a scandal was to put put a veil around her and give her that grace to respond to her life and her situation without uh, without shaming her he chose to be gracious to mary then the story goes on while he thought about these things He wakes up in the morning. It would be very easy. It would be natural to respond. Oh, it's only a dream. Am I right? It was a dream after all. And you could you could you could you could um, rationalize and say, "See, I've been thinking about this the whole time. That's why I'm dreaming this." All right. But something occurred in his spirit because don't forget. Is a man who conforms to the will of God. He recognized this is the voice of God. This is not just a mere dream. God is speaking to me. Because you think about it. When the Jews were waiting for the Messiah, it was based on this prophecy that says, a virgin will bear a son. What does it mean, a virgin will bear a son? That means... Virgin. Virgin means virgin. Someone who has not been with a woman who has not been with a man will conceive and bear a son. So here they are, they read this prophecy, but when the time came, they didn't believe in the virgin birth. You know why? Because a lot of times we have glossy Bibles. What do I mean by glossy Bibles? We gloss over Things we don't agree. We gloss over things we don't believe. So we read the scriptures and we gloss over. Some things that are too hard, we say, hmm. You know, we read it, but gloss. We read this gloss. So here they are, generation after generation, knowing this prophecy, a virgin will conceive and bear a child, right? Gloss, gloss. Gloss. Now the virgin is there, facing right there. But this man who chose all his life to conform to the word of God is faced with the word of God. And what does he do? He conforms to the word of God. If you say so, then it is so. This morning I challenge us. Don't gloss over the words of God. It is full of the supernatural. It's full of the promises of God. Don't gloss over that. When you read the Bible and there are promises there, don't say this is not for me. Why not? It is for you as it is for anyone else. When you see the promises of God in Scripture, it is for you too. You deserve it as much as anyone else. He recognized the voice of God. The next thing we see about Joseph, he did as the Lord commanded him. Verse 24 and 25 of Matthew 1, that Joseph being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. Please don't miss this difficult situation Joseph was in. He responded in obedience to God. Not only did he marry Mary, but he did not consummate that marriage the entire time. Why? Because the virgin will bear a son. He now had the responsibility of fulfilling the commands of God. It's difficult to conform to God's ways It's hard. Let's be honest. It's difficult to conform to God's ways. But God's ways are perfect ways. However tough it is, however difficult it was for Joseph, but he knew the best thing to do is to conform to God's ways because in the end, that prophetic word would come to pass and we enjoy this obedience of a man who chose to, be, to chose to conform to God's word, today we celebrate the Savior who has saved our lives. So as God speaks to you, and as God speaks words to you and gives you directions in life, it's difficult. It's difficult. It's difficult. But let me say to you, at the end, you will enjoy the blessings of God's ways because His ways are perfect for our souls. Matthew is very quick to put the scriptures to back his experience. All this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel which is translated God with us. Whenever you experience the presence of God, whenever you think of this promise that God is with us always remember a couple that chose to conform to the will of God and allowed for the prophecy of the birth of Jesus Christ to come to pass the first response to Christ was complete obedience he did whatever it took to bring about the will of God he did whatever it took to bring about The will of God. The second story. Some magicians. Matthew chapter 2. He goes on to tell us the story. After Jesus was born. Take note. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea. In the days of Herod the king. Behold wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Now. The English translations. Choose the word wise men. But the Greek name is magos. And the word magos really means, in ancient times, it meant wise men, but it also meant priests, physicians, astrologers, seers, and sorcerers. So they were not what the Hebrews would consider people of um, prophets. They wouldn't consider, the Hebrews didn't consider magos as people of God, because they would do various things that would disagree with with the Hebrews and the way they would interpret the Bible, right? So these weren't really believers as it would be, right? In fact, there are two other times when Magos is um, used in the New Testament and it's used in the book of Acts and it's translated in English as sorcerer. That's Simon the sorcerer and Elimias the sorcerer. So three times it's used in the New Testament, but our, our nice Christian minds couldn't accept that these wise men so beautifully standing there were sorcerers or magicians. No, 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 no. They were wise men, right? But the other two fellas in the book of Acts, right? they were sorcerers, okay? I'm telling you, they were those who were not very well accepted by um, the Hebrew community, but they heard God. It's amazing sometimes some of the most unexpected people hear God, right? Imams hear God, Muslim imams. Hindu priests hear the voice of God and they come to Christ. Tibetan monks hear the voice of God and they come to Christ. I've had the great privilege of traveling and teaching in Bible schools um, in many parts of Of the world, and uh, one one that excites me is whenever I go to India. Um, A few years ago, there was a young man who was a Tibetan monk. Someone went to him, and it's very dangerous to to preach the gospel among Tibetan monks, you know. Um, And but this this uh, Indian um, went up to the Himalayas and he, he began to share Christ with a group of Tibetan monks. This young man heard the voice of God in his heart, walked all the way, right, away from his monastery and came down to where, uh, the city where our Bible school was and then he accepted Christ there. He got baptized, spent two years living in a Bible school and we, were, we went through, well, I, I visited there twice a year and uh, he just sat down and immersed himself in the word of God. Today, he goes around in the Himalayas, right? Especially among his villages, um, reaching um, people for for the kingdom's sake. It's amazing sometimes who hears the voice of God and comes to Christ. The Magos heard God. Now, what was their response when they heard the message of Christ? They noticed a star. We have seen his star, they said. Right? How many times we miss what God is trying to say to us in the busyness of our day. But in their busyness of their astrological finds, they saw a star. They paused and they heard heard what God was trying to say to them. And so I'm saying to you, take time to listen. He is a lover who communicates every time to his people. So take time to listen. They inquired about the message. Where is he? They asked. And then when they got the information, they went to Bethlehem. And verse 10 to 11 says, When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they had come into the house, by this time, Jesus was no longer in the manger. All right? I like this scene. We will never move away from this. This artistic um, license to let the three wise men be among those in the manger. But it had already been, Jesus was already a toddler by the time these wise men came because they saw the star when he was born. They traveled from the east. By the time he got there, Jesus was already living in a house, right? And he was probably between the age of 12 months to 24 months. So he was between one to two years old, right? But this is nice. We will keep it. (laughs) And look what they did. They fell down. They worshipped him, right? They fell down and worshipped him. Worship involves the body, it involves the mind, and it involves the soul. It's physical, it's mental, it's it's spiritual, right? And they opened their treasures, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I call it the three Ps, the gold for provision. Frankincense was always in the Hebrew mind. The moment they smelt the aroma of frankincense, it was the presence of God, right? And myrrh was always used for embalming. And so here it was, the three Ps, God's provision, God's presence, and God's protection, protecting from decay. The second response to Christ was uninhabited worship. Finally, the madman. Look at Matthew 2, verse 4 to 6. When King Herod had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea. For thus it is written by the prophet, You, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Isn't that amazing? that these scholars knew exactly and they just heard that these wise men, these Magos, right, have seen a star and says the king of the Jews is born. They They weren't excited about the king of the Jews being born. They were just excited to tell you where he was going to be born. It's amazing. This is again the glossy Bible. It's amazing we know so much about God, but don't experience God right? The Bible is there to be experienced. You experience God through the Bible, right? So here they were with this invitation to come, join these Magos, and go and worship the God who was born in a manger, right? But they chose not to. Instead, what was his response? A tragic response. When he saw, when Herod saw that he was deceived by the wise men, verse 16. He was exceedingly angry. He sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem, all the districts, for two years old and under, according to the time which he determined from the wise men. One of the things, when Christ comes, he exposes our heart. This was the heart of this king. He was a murderous man. And what was his response to Christ? Utter carnage and murder. Now, we don't sing that in our Christmas carols, of course. But Matthew chooses not to hide it. This was also part of the Christmas story. That when, when it's clear to you that Christ has revealed himself to you, your response can either be like Joseph total obedience your response can either be like the Magos uninhabited worship but there's another response that was very clear in the story of Christmas response of a madman who says I don't care, it in spite of the Christ that's being born my heart will choose Bedlam instead of Bethlehem So let me close with these two things. What will it take to give the right response to the Christ who has been shown and revealed to us in this Christmas story? Firstly, every day we need a fresh revelation of God. As long as you're getting a revelation from God, as long as your heart is shaped by God's word, and you're experiencing God's Word, not glossing over God's Word, but experiencing God's Word, no matter what God asks you to do, no matter where you are in this place with God, you will receive the grace of God to shape your life according to His will. Don't just read the Bible to know God, read the Bible to encounter God. The second thing, willing heart. Among these three stories, Two stories: a couple and a group of magos. Their hearts were willing to submit to the will of God, but the madman Herod, he chose to submit to his will and his will alone. I close with Jeremiah 17: 9-10. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. What Jeremiah is saying is, get your heart right with God. You get your heart right with God, you will also reap according to that shaping of his will in your life. So I'm here as a cardiologist today. That's the Greek word for... Heart is cardiac. That's where we get the word cardiologist. So as, a, as your cardiologist, I'm inviting you to get a heart checkup. Let God search our hearts. Let him test our minds. And let us seek his grace to be like this wonderful couple, to be like this group of megas complete obedience, uninhabited worship. Our Christ deserves that response. Let us pray.